my govanen melunin, and thanks for tuning in to speak, friend, and enter deep lore. This is where I take the dense and mythical stories of the Silmarillion and do my best to make them more accessible so nerds and non-nerds alike can fully enjoy them. I'm Leah, and I read the books so you don't have to. Today, we're going to talk about the seventh chapter of the Silmarillion, of the Silmarils and the unrest of the Noldor. If you're a big nerd who already knows that the Quenya suffix Ion means of or about, then you've guessed that the word Silmarillion means of the Silmarils. So the whole dang book is named after these things, and we're finally going to learn what all the fuss is about. Our major players here will be the following. Feanor, eldest son of the Noldoran High King Finway, most skilled in crafting of all the children of Iluvatar. Fingolfin, the younger half-brother of Feanor, the strongest and most valiant of the sons of Finway. Finarfin, the youngest half-brother of Feanor, the wisest and fairest of the sons of Finway. And Melkor, the Vala who broke the world and wants everyone else to have a bad time and was recently released from an ages-long imprisonment. At this time, Feanor has grown to what Tolkien calls his full might. He has a new idea to create something incredible, or maybe, the Silmarillion says, he had some slight gift of prophecy of what would soon happen, and he brainstorms how he could preserve the light of the two trees in something indestructible. He works at this idea for a long time and summons all his lore, his power, and his subtle skill, and in so doing, he makes the Silmarils. I'm going to read this passage, which is important and beautiful, but it's also very poetic, so I'll sum it up after. As three great jewels they were in form. Like the crystal of diamonds it appeared, and yet was more strong than adamant, so that no violence could mar it or break it within the kingdom of Arda. Yet that crystal was to the Silmarils, but as is the body to the children of Iluvatar, the house of its inner fire that is within it, and yet in all parts of it, and is its life. And the inner fire of the Silmarils Feanor made of the blended light of the trees of Valinor, which lives in them yet, though the trees have long withered and shine no more. Therefore, even in the darkness of the deepest treasury, the Silmarils of their own radiance shone like the stars of Varda, and yet, as were they indeed living things, they rejoiced in light and received it and gave it back in hues more marvelous than before. Feanor makes three beautiful, jewel-like magical objects, but it's impossible to say what they're actually made of. They're as clear and strong as diamonds and unbreakable. However, the crystal housing is only the container of the soul inside, and they are filled with a living, glowing light. Twice a day, the two trees of Valinor shine together, and this blended light is the most beautiful sight that has ever been in Arda, and Feanor has captured some of this blended light in a mysterious crystal. They aren't just gems, they both reflect, refract, and create light. Everyone is nuts about these Silmarils, which means radiance of pure light. Varda, Queen of the Stars, sanctifies them, making them repellent to evil hands. If something evil were to touch them, it would become scarred, burned, and withered. Mandos, the doomsman of the Valar, proclaims that the fates of Arda, Earth, Sea, and Air lie locked within the Silmarils, and Feanor's heart is bound to his creation. Then, 
Melkor lusts for the Silmarils, and the memory of their beauty gnaws at him constantly. He throws himself fully into seeking two goals. One, destroy Feanor. Two, end the friendship between the Valar and the Elves. But he is, as we've said, a cunning manipulator, and he was always subtle in the working of his goals. He takes his time, weaving his lies slowly and quietly to the Elves in Amman. But he that sows lies in the end shall not lack of a harvest, and soon he may rest from toil indeed, while others reap and sow in his stead. Melkor had no trouble finding people to listen to his counsel, and some would pass on an embellished version of his words. Melkor would walk with the elves and talk with them, and amid his fair words, others were woven, so subtly that many who heard them believed in recollection that they arose from their own thought. Melkor would conjure visions in their hearts of the realms they could have ruled over back in Middle-earth, and rumors began to spread that the Valar had tricked the elves into coming to Amon to live under their rule, that the Valar feared both the beauty of the elves and their potential power if they should grow over the wide lands of Middle-earth. At this time, the Valar know that men will one day awaken in Middle-earth, and they have not yet shared this knowledge with the elves. And Melkor realizes that he can spin this silence to look suspicious, and he reveals the coming of men to the elves. He begins to spread the rumor among the elves that Manwe held them captive, so that men might come and supplant them in the kingdoms of Middle-earth, for the Valar saw that they might more easily sway this short-lived and weaker race, defrauding the elves of the inheritance of Ilúvatar. This is of course not true, not least because the Valar rarely interfere in the choices of men, but many of the Noldoran elves believe these poisoned words. So before the Valar know it, the peace in Valinor is quietly destroyed. The Noldor become filled with pride, forgetting how much the Valar have given them. Fiercest burned the new flame of desire for freedom and wider realms in the eager heart of Feanor. Melkor laughs quietly to himself about this because he hates Feanor above all others, mostly because Feanor won't allow Melkor to even come close to the Silmarils. At feasts, Feanor wears them on a circlet and otherwise he guards them carefully in his hoard below Tyrion upon Tuna. Feanor began to love the Silmarils with a greedy love and grudged the sight of them to all save his father and his seven sons. He seldom remembered now that the light within them was not his own. Both Feanor and his younger half-brothers, Fingolfin and Finarfin, are high princes and held in high regard, but now they become proud and jealous of their rights and their possessions. Melkor begins to spread new lies among the elves, and soon Feanor is told that Fingolfin is planning to usurp his place as the eldest son of the king, with the encouragement of the Valar, who dislike that the Silmarils are in Tyrion upon Tuna and not in their own keeping. Meanwhile, Fingolfin and Fenarvin are told, Beware, small love has the proud son of Miriel ever had for the children of Indus. Now he has become great, and he has his father in his hand. It will not be long before he drives you forth from Tuna. And once Melkor sees that these lies are festering and that pride and anger are alive in the hearts of the elves, he speaks to them about something they had not known before. Weapons. And the Noldor begin crafting swords and axes and spears. They also make shields which display the tokens of their houses. 
They wear the shields around town, but not the weapons, because each of them believes that they alone have received the warning about weaponry. Thus, with lies and evil whisperings and false counsel, Melkor kindled the hearts of the Noldor to strife, and of their quarrels came at length the end of the high days of Valinor and the evening of its ancient glory. For Feanor now began openly to speak words of rebellion against the Valar, crying aloud that he would depart from Valinor back to the world without, and would deliver the Noldor from their thraldom if they would follow him. So, the situation in Tyrion-upon-Tuna is not good, and the High King Finway summons his lords to a council. But Fingolfin, his second son, and Feanor's younger half-brother, stands before him and says, Won't you restrain Feanor's pride? How can he speak for all of us as though he is king? You are the one who spoke before the elves and counseled them to accept the Valar's summons and come here to Amman. You are the one who led the Noldor through all the perils of Middle-earth to the light of Eldamar. If you still believe in those ideals, you still have two sons who honor your words. And, like the messy bitch who loves drama that he is, Feanor strides into the chamber fully armed. So it is, even as I guessed, he said. My half-brother would be before me with my father, in this as in all other matters. Then, turning upon Fingolfin, he drew his sword, crying, Get thee gone, and take thy due place. So Fingolfin bows before his father and silently leaves the chamber. But Feanor follows him and stops him at the door of their father's home and lays the point of his bright sword at Fingolfin's chest. See, half-brother, he says, this is sharper than thy tongue. Try but once more to usurp my place and the love of my father, and maybe it will rid the Noldor of one who seeks to be the master of thralls. Now, Feanor does this in public, basically in the middle of a busy street, so a lot of people see it. But Fingolfin still says nothing and leaves to seek the youngest of Finway's sons, his brother Finarfin. The Valar finally see that there is unrest among the Noldor, but because its seeds had been sown so subtly, they believe that Feanor is the cause of it, because he is the first to speak his dissent openly. The Valar summon Feanor to the gates of the city Valmar of Many Bells to answer for his words and actions, as well as anyone else who had part or knowledge in the matter. During this council, it is revealed that Melkor is the cause of the strife, and Tulkas the Strong rolls his sleeves up and leaves to find him and beat him up. However, Feanor is still to be held accountable for his actions because he has broken the peace of Valinor and drawn a sword upon his brother. Mandos, the doomsman of the Valar, says, Thou speakest of thraldom. If thraldom it be, thou canst not escape it, for Manwe is the king of Arda, and not of Amon only. And this deed was unlawful, whether in Amon or not in Amon. Therefore this doom is now made. For twelve years thou shalt leave Tyrion where this threat was uttered. In that time, take counsel with thyself, and remember who and what thou art. But after that time, this matter shall be set in peace, and held redressed if others will release thee. So essentially, Feanor is exiled from Tyrion-upon-Tuna to do some meditation, and he'll be allowed back to the city if Fingolfin forgives him for threatening him with a deadly weapon. Fingolfin immediately says, I will release my brother, because he's an incredibly chill guy, but Feanor says nothing and leaves the council and the city. He goes into banishment with his seven sons, and they make a stronghold and treasury in the north of Valinor called Formenos, which means Northern Fortress. Here they hoard many gems and weapons, and they shut the Silmarils in an iron chamber. 
Finway, the High King of the Noldor, eventually joins them as well because he has a bad case of favoritism among his sons, and Fingolfin takes over the leadership of the Noldor in Tyrion upon Tuna. Thus, the lies of Melkor were made true in seeming, though Feanor by his own deeds had brought this thing to pass, and the bitterness that Melkor had sown endured and lived still long afterwards between the sons of Fingolfin and Feanor. Melkor now knows that the jig is up, and he hides and stealthily moves from place to place, and though Tulkas the Strong searches, he never finds him. Then it seemed to the people of Valinor that the light of the trees was dimmed, and the shadows of all standing things grew longer and darker in that time. For a time, Melkor is not seen again in Valinor, nor any rumor heard of him, until suddenly he comes to Feanor's stronghold for Menos and speaks with him at the door. He pretends friendship with Feanor and urges him to consider again his idea of returning to Middle-earth to be free from the Valar's rule. Melkor says, Am I not also a Vala? I will help you and bring you far from this narrow land if you are as bold as your words in Tyrion upon Tuna. Feanor is still bitter and feels humiliated by Mandos, and he thinks he may be able to trust Melkor to help him get to Middle-earth. Melkor sees that Feanor's hatred for him is wavering, and he knows that this is his chance to seal the deal. So he says, Here is a strong place, and well guarded, but think not that the Silmarils will lie safe in any treasury within the realm of the Valar. In saying this, Melkor has pushed his luck too far. Feanor looks upon Melkor and sees in Melkor's eyes his fierce lust for the Silmarils, and hate overcomes Feanor's fear. He curses Melkor and tells him to leave, saying, Get thee gone from my gate, thou jail crow of Mandos. And he shut the door of his house in the face of the mightiest of all the dwellers in Ea. Melkor leaves in shame, and he decides to continue biding his time, but his heart has grown even darker with anger. Feanor's father Finway is afraid, so he sends a message to Manwe, the king of the Valar, about what has happened. The Valar are sitting in council, fearing the lengthening of the shadows when the message arrives. Arome the hunter and Tulkas the strong spring up immediately to find Melkor, but even as they leave, another message arrives, saying that Melkor has fled through the Kalakiria. So Melkor has left Valinor, and for a time the light of the two trees shines again unshadowed. But the Valar sought in vain for tidings of their enemy, and as a cloud far off that looms ever higher, borne upon a slow cold wind, a doubt now marred the joy of all the dwellers in Amman, dreading they knew not what evil that yet might come. That's going to be it for this episode of Speak, Friend, and Enter Deep Lore. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Those reviews really help people find the show. If you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, please email us at speakfriendpod at gmail.com. You can check out the show's Twitter at speakfriendpod for official pod stuff and visual aids, and my personal Twitter is at askistwin, that's I-S-T-W-E-N. We'll have a regular episode up in two weeks, and next month we'll have another deep lore episode about the next chapter of the Silmarillion, of the Darkening of Valinor, and we'll discuss light-eating spiders and history's first murder. Until next time, Muhu Torgizu Turuguskin. <laughs>